0: Ahem. <clears throat>
1: now because i forgot one time and we talked for like 10 minutes with one guest and i was like uh whoops let's. oh my
0: god you listen i had um it always happens so happens
1: sometimes i'm like uh, let's start again <laughs> sorry
0: i had someone on i'm just going to get one my audio settings because i'm using why are you being so heinous to me um, maybe because of <clears> oh, <throat> so you're so nasty to me. Um,
1: Tech- technology.
0: It's um. I'm... Yes, that's not. Let's see here. Can you still hear me? Yep
1: loud and clear
0: I'm just curious because I have an external mic and it's not doing yep. oh whatever
1: you have is fine it's perfectly clear and, and very loud, and loud like
0: okay. I can hear yeah okay I'm like oh. I, some, sometimes it works and sometimes it um, and I, it's obviously something in the settings that I'm not um, realizing the brand new mic so um all it's, good it's still a little new to me it's still a little new to me this mic it's a good mic but yeah it's, uh it's it's a yeti x and um because i have to record for the radio show as well as mm-hmm. my video show yeah um And for the radio show, I go to the radio station, but there's a lot of times where artists aren't available at the time that the radio station's available, blah, blah, blah. So I do it from home, so I just have to make sure that the equipment is raring to
1: go. Cool. Well, we're just going to literally have this conversation like we just did right now uh, about, well, about Q and all that kind of stuff. And uh, I'll just introduce the podcast, and then you just introduce yourself, who you are, and then we'll get into it. Sounds good. Cool. All right, here we go. Hey everyone, welcome to this week's episode of Queer Teen Podcast. I'm super excited about my next guest. I believe we found each other through uh, social
0: media, um, which is usually how it goes. So take it away. Hi, um, my name's Kenny, uh, Kenny Fitzpatrick. I am the founder of the Q Review uh, LGBTQ Music Network. Huge network, by the way. I went on the website, it's massive. It's growing, it's getting there. Sometimes uh, I need to learn how to take human bites, uh, human-sized bites of things, and sometimes I get a little carried away with myself. But it's it, it's all good. It's all for the betterment of making sure that representation is, um, you know, out there. Um, but yeah, sometimes I, I I may need to haul the reins in a little bit. <laughs> That's okay. What
1: uh, it happens. What what's your sign? My sign? I'm yeah. a Sagittarius. Okay. Uh, I thought you were going to say Gemini, because Geminis tend to do that a lot. Uh, so, but that's cool. Um, what made you start? What made you start this?
0: Um, so it, it kind of goes back to um, it really, and it kind of dovetails into what you're doing a little bit with this podcast. Um, you know, I grew up in a time when music was, there was no MTV, there was no much music and all that kind of thing. It was it was the radio and it was live music. Um, and I grew up in a time when uh, there was no representation um, of, of queer music and queer artists. So I went through my youth and my teen years um, as, as such a music lover, but never really connecting the same way as I do now um, because it just wasn't there. So I often wonder, you know, what, what would it have been like if I would have had that representation for me um, going through, you know, my, my childhood and, and my adolescence. So what really happened to me was that I've worked in, so I'm, my background is in education. Um, so I've worked with universities and college students um, across Canada, I'm in Canada, um, for the past i, I, I want to say 25 30 years um, uh, is you know working with students and you know whether it be in advocacy roles or in uh, programming roles music always kind of came into it campuses are synonymous with having concerts or mm-hmm. bringing in you know special guests and speakers and all that time i really wasn't seeing Any LGBT artists. So when you had, um, you know, pride groups and pride committees and pride centers hosting events, they were hosting events, but music wasn't really part of it because they didn't really have um, a a stable of artists to draw from, um, or at least in their area, uh, physical area, because they weren't doing virtual at the time. So, I kind of took it upon myself to kind of sit down and say, you know, if I'm going to throw myself into music and continue doing this, um, I really want it to be connected with my, my community. So I started looking to see what was happening out there. Why wasn't I seeing representation? Why wasn't I seeing artists other than the five to seven artists that were big names, you know, that had come out and there had to be a press release and they ended up on the cover of People Magazine because it was just such an an issue, an ordeal. Um, But lo and behold, what I found was hundreds and hundreds and thousands of artists who are making music every day and putting music out there and there just wasn't a place for them. Or if there was, it was a very select specific group of of artists that was uh, getting attention. So I decided that, you know, there's too much music not to, to get in there and try to help it be heard, but also at the same time, because my education or my background is in education, I was like, there are so many kids out there in rural areas or in other countries where they don't have access or to, you know, anything. That they can see themselves reflected in, and I was just like, it could be, it could be the difference between you know a youth going to a dark place or a youth saying, oh my god, you know there's a there's a hip hop rap artist out there and he's talking about you know his issues with boys. I mean, look and, at little not
1: little Nas. I
0: mean, are you yeah, kidding me? That is like right? so epic. It's crazy. It's it's life-affirming, it's life-changing. Life when suddenly- it Saves a life, it, it saves lives. Like, I don't care what anyone says, it just does. Um, and people think that it sounds like it's, um, you know, something that uh, we're, we're getting uh, excited about or we're making a big deal about, but it is a big deal. Um, And they just don't understand because they've never had that experience. And if you, and you know, a friend of mine who was in uh, international, um, working with international students once said to me, if you go to another country and if you go to say Japan or, um, you know, especially an area where it's not populated with um, Western uh, individuals, you won't see anything written in English language. It will be all in their their native language um, as of course it would be. And you won't understand anything because you don't see yourself in it. But the moment that you do see your, you know, something written in the English language, your eyes are going to go towards it because suddenly you can make that connection. And it's a little bit like that. I mean, much more on an emotional level. Um, That's a good example. I'm going to steal that. Yeah. I mean, it's, you, you have to think, sometimes I think we get caught up about trying to explain to others, you know, what it's like that, Sometimes maybe we just use language that they can not understand that we have to kind of break it down into sure. something that they can like, uh, understand. I'm, a, yeah. I'm literally doing it. I just,
1: I'm doing it. I got picked to do a TED talk, a TEDx talk. It's very exciting. And uh, that's what my TED talk is about is the language designed in the queer community specifically and for trans people, non-binary and uh, just putting the language there. I mean, like, this is what it is. These people have always been here. We're just putting language to it. It's evolving. That's what happens.
0: Um, It's it's education that people have never been given. 100%. Um, And I I understand from somebody who, you know, if if you don't understand something and the world says, but now you must understand and you must believe they, they get a little shell shocked by it. We all do. We're like, what? No, hell no. So it's, it's about that education piece and bring it to them in a language that they can really truly understand and can kind of connect with.
1: Let's bring it down to its simplest form because that's how language is. We make it complex because we're so complex as human beings um, because we've created lots of different things and lots of different reasons for us to go through whatever we go through or we're put in certain situations where we, we are just, it sucks. It just sucks. Yeah. Um, I love it. I think so. When uh, so explain to me a little bit how how you go about and uh, tell everybody how you find artists for your website to be on there and featured and I, I went to one part and it's all your artists but you, you were so smart and you alphabetized just A through Z and then you pick a letter and then you go in.
0: It's um and and that's even challenging at times because I'm going be sure. to be to make it a little bit more simplistic for folks because I wasn't sure. How, how it would take off um, and I have to kind of keep uh, revamping it as I go because now I don't really have to search that much. They're, they're kind of have found me and they're coming to me. Oh
1: good. What do they get out of it? Like what's, the, what's their thing? What, is, what do they get out of it?
0: Well I mean hopefully they get um, a sense of community because I mean that's one thing that I really want them to get. I think that artists um, when they can connect with one another they can really take control yeah. of what's happening out there in media and in the industry and you know, use it to their best advantage. But really community is a big thing and I just want to give them space to be heard and be seen. Um, so there's a kind of two different levels with what it is that I'm doing. There's the kind of out front on social media, um, I'm trying to connect fans and the general public to let them know that there's artists that exist. Um, and across every genre or every subgenre or every quasi-genre, um, you know, if you think that there's no country queer, there is, and there's a whole platform developed uh, devoted to it. Mm -hmm. Um, you know, there's rap, there's hip hop, there's metal. Um, so that's, that's part one. The other part of that is within our own community, we're not really great at supporting our own. it's a real, it's a real challenge, especially when it comes to entertainment and media. We will throw all accolades at somebody outside the community for being a support or or being at someone that the community looks up to, but we don't actually turn ourselves inward and kind of go, "Here's all of our artists, and they're not, you know, getting any attention." So if I can get people, and this is a, I mean, it's a big F. And that's why I'm I'm really kind of connected and, and really um, conscious about youth um, and about their ability to broaden the scope of things. Um, but if they can, for every Ariana Grande that they're a fan of, if they could become a fan of you know a queer artist, an LGBT artist, and with the same passion and you know hearing themselves reflected in the music same-sex pronouns, or, you know, um, an artist by the name of Rascal Miles just released um, their brand new song called "Tailor Made, which is all about top surgery. Um, Like that is important music that needs to be shared. Shea Diamond talking about, you know, her her experiences, intersectionality as um, a queer Black trans woman uh, and what she experienced, you know, with the judicial system and just Mm -hmm. violence. Those are important stories within music. So if we can get our youth to become fans of our artists within our community, it helps raises up the the just the, the profile of everything and and what what's happening here and what's happening within the community. And too, like, that's kind of serious too. Yeah, completely. We
1: did. People haven't. They pushed it aside and they're like, but like I'm like, but there's really amazing. I mean, now I see it more. You know, you do have little nods. You have. Uh, oh there's a Um, slew of them now but we're trying
0: you know it's but they really had to work like harder they they did and they are the artists that um you know hopefully um we don't always see this but i always say hopefully what they do is they pay it forward by bringing up with them other independent queer artists to give Mm -hmm. them a chance to be heard you know her is out there now yeah and brandy carlisle in in americana so it's it's starting to kind of come out and trickle through a bit um there's still a lot of work to be done
1: so much work i mean you see it you see it in the media and it's and and it's uh even with like drag for instance you know i'm a huge drag race drag queen fan but that and you can even see the changeover. that's actually become more of a, a branding thing now than it has become the art form of drag so there's now this like weird crossover that's happening where you're like well, but I'm really an independent artist, drag queen doing my thing, but I'd still have to make a living. So I should be making a lot of money. Um, so there's just like, obviously this push and pull in the industry. And I want, I, and that's a good place to be because that means it's it's whatever crossed over or at least millions of people are seeing it uh, and, and appreciating the it. The
0: energy is changing with it. Um, you know, for drag queens, especially, and, and I've had this conversation with a few artists, um, there, are, there are drag queens who are drag queens and that's their performance. The music that they're creating is their, is their music. It's another art form to them. Total. And it's just as viable and just as important as the performance. So it shouldn't be, you know, there's no drag queens on the radio. There's there's none. It oh, there's never, one, there's Trixie Mattel. Trixie Mattel, but I mean, Trixie's, you know, one of the, the, the few that have kind of come through. Right. Um, you know, but we don't see them in the same way, um, or
1: media should say doesn't see them. Media does not
0: see them in the same way. No, they see them as a that's drag that stays over there and that doesn't go on the radio. But yet the music is so good, and some of the music that's being created. Sure. And I play drag queens all the time on my radio show simply because they need to be heard. Um, what's, inter- what's interesting enough is that we
1: actually joke about it in the community itself. So then. Not that you can't joke about it, but you know, the whole joke is like a, a, a queen gets on RuPaul's Drag Race and they have an album. But they have an album. I'm like, who cares? Like, let them have an album. Let it rise up the charts somewhere. Let it be like known that they can... So not all of it's great, but like at least they could create it and have the ability to... People want to work with them and, and get it there and move it there and move it through and get it bigger and bigger and bigger and bigger, whatever that means.
0: Um, well, and when you think about it, I mean, uh, Trixie Mattel is... is... I mean, as an artist, as a, outside of drag, the music is, I mean, Trixie is a phenomenal singer-songwriter. Phenomenal singer-songwriter. Um, and there is a lot of them within the drag community who are that good. Mm-hmm. But there is that weird kind of pigeonholing stereotype and you know, they're sat to the side. Um, and that, that has to stop. That's a, that's a, a hard challenge within media Especially um, in America. Oh man, America. Because if you look at like Ollie, I think it's,
1: his name's Ollie and then Ollie, Trey, like and, and Trey. Yeah, they're like, but they're not from here. They're like, obviously it's moving a little faster over there for them. So, but over here, most people are like, who? And I'm like, exactly. So, and they're super out, super queer and they're making music and they're playing to stadiums. They're playing to have big, big theaters. Um, but it's like, there's such a divide.
0: Western media tends to be so stringent um, and restrictive into what the, the mainstream deems as lucrative, I guess, is is a good way to put it, which is, which is a gross way to talk about art. Um, You know, but it's, it it really is about dollars and cents and who's getting you through and how you're getting through. Um, And that's, whether it's in the queer community or the straight community, um, you know we also don't do anything. For inter- we love to in West. It's so funny in Western culture. We love to say we are here for everyone. We're you know open to everyone. Oh, but you bring your music from, you know, from Guam. Um, but no, 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 that's not that's not for our radio. You know, that's for a specialized program that's going to talk about you. So it, it's it's so weird because there's so much, you know, um, non-English language music, Spanish music, uh, you know, Arabic music that is so good, it's so good. like Latin music. But we don't put that on mainstream because oh my God, we can't, you know, upset people by not being able to sing along or know the words.
1: Well, and if we do, and and if we do put it on there, it ends up being uh, appropriate, uh, whatever it's called. Um, like misappropriated, kind of? Yeah, it's totally misappropriated. Someone brings it in, they don't ask, they just do it. And you're just like, that's cultur- cultural appropriation there. Yeah. I was like, you just have to ask the person and work together. But God forbid if we let the person that's actually from there do it. Like, it is interesting. We're so freaking, I mean, that's literally why our political system kind of, no, I'm not going to talk about politics. I do love it, though. But that's why everything corrupt, like, literally blew up. Because we're like, oh, yeah, sort of, kind of, not really. But you sort of can come in, but not really. Yeah. Um, and we're, we've always done that. That's the way the country was founded. So um, neither here nor there. We're not going to talk about that. Uh, what? So what? Do you, so you're in education. Uh, wh- what did, What did you specifically do with music? Or has music just been a part of your life, like, to... to to you. Music
0: has always been a part of my life. As an intro, like I grew up through, um, I came through um, music retail. So okay. um, working in music retail, managing music retail um, before I got into the education system. Retail um, meaning where, like some some old school places, like retail? oh yeah, like um, like HMV um, uh, and, yeah. and the Record Man, all of that kind of, of good stuff. Penny Penny CDs. Uh, but, uh... listen! It. I mean, it was a it was a great time for me to be able to be a part of that world Uh, if you ever watch the movie empire records yeah yeah um that was my world that was and it was it was you know i think that anybody in music retail especially old school music retail before it became too corporatized um would tell you that you know they would watch that movie and they'd be like yeah yeah, we get it, we get it. You know, old record stores, there's nothing better than
1: going to like an old record store or old CDs and just I would go to like specifically just like Barnes and Noble, even I would literally be in there probably for two and a half to three hours just listening to music on the thing and 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 possibly buying like a CD or something or whatever. But that was like, and then you go home, and you open the jacket and you records because we we I collect records. And there's nothing. I don't know. I mean, I know it sounds so cliche. We always say this. Oh, nothing like the old school. But really, there is nothing like learning the words through a little booklet or opening it up and experiencing the, the
0: liner notes, man. It's artwork. Just it's liner so, notes. And that I don't was know. that was my. You know, some people go and they sit in, in um, you know chapters or coles or, or um, bookstores, and they'll just kind of pull up a seat and they'll just you know read novels and stuff like that. I would pour over liner notes because I wanted to know everything about it
1: that's how I was I just couldn't get over it I just couldn't get enough of it I don't know and I and I and I still do that occasionally there are stuff left I can still go to all you can still go to those places now they're a niche and they're cool but um but you can still do that and I'll literally just stay there
0: I will just don't even think about it I'll be there for hours I I just love it it's the best thing ever in education I mean what I did was um it was because of my background in, in in music Um, And because of an education, Um, you know, being on campuses, bringing in artists, teaching students how to deal with contracts and and how to source out uh, entertainment, you know, thinking broadly about their local communities, that kind of thing. So education and music has been hand in hand with me from a programming standpoint and looking at how you use music to, um, you know, enhance an event. Or, you know, if you're doing something for Black History Month and thinking about, you know, storytellers and looking at music very, very differently um, as um, spoken word being a style of music, um, that it doesn't all have to be instruments um, or, or, you know, melody uh, some of it's just lyrical, uh, lyrically based. Um, So it was a lot of that. Um, And then when I left the education system uh, to, to, you know, look into music a lot more Um, when COVID hit. I just decided that since we're sidelined and I had been doing this as a a side kind of project that I had the time right now that I was going to really go for it and try to turn this into a much bigger uh, platform for artists to be heard. And then to bring in the education side of it again on of of what I, you know, my background is. Do you talk to all these artists and meet them? Yes. Yes, I try to.
1: It's a lot of people. It is. (laughs) i get it you just meet people but
0: uh spotify told me that um i listened apparently last year i listened to uh 2700 over 2700 artists um which i was like yeah okay but i knew that there was more because there's tons of artists that don't have their music on spotify they do not have it on dating camp they have it on soundcloud or right. you know but right. there's tons uh, of things so yeah I try to make myself as available as possible. Um, you know, if somebody uh, sends me a message in Instagram, I try to get back to them um, within a you know good amount of time. A lot of people just kind of don't bother with their DMs at all. My email is crazy. Um, it is challenging. The email is very challenging. Um, but, um, you know, and then I have that uh, group of artists that I'm working with that you see on the website who are part of the community program. Um, and that's a, a program that I kind of started up and it's on hold right now to kind of go through some changes and whatnot, and then it'll restart again. And that's where I really want to see artists um, be able to have you know, a, a visibility and a presence so that if I'm doing the, the work of getting organizations, labels, management companies, pride com- you know, groups coming to the website, they can discover the artists there, all in one section. Um, you know, those who are interested in in being part of that. That's great. I think
1: that that's and uh, yeah, it is hard to um, navigate all that because you're like, I want to support, but it's really just me, and maybe like maybe you have a couple of other people that help you. But it's uh, but you, and you're doing it though, so it's like it's great. Um, so what's your story? Where are you from? Like what? Where What? Where, where's your? What's your background? What's? What, what's your
0: story? I am from Canada. Um, I'm from Eastern Canada, uh, uh, out in Nova Scotia. I'm in Nova Scotia right now. Originally uh, born in, in New Brunswick, um, but uh, yeah, I you know through university and that always and kind of involved in in music. I eventually moved to Toronto. Um, I love Toronto. That's where I got into education was in Toronto and working for um, college out there, George Brown College. Um, and I also worked for the HMV, um, big, the, the, the massive one uh, in Toronto, downtown Toronto. Um, so it was a really great cross-section for me. Um, then, you know, I, I am not someone who's um, ever been uh, born to live, I think, the city life. Seduced by the city life and want to visit it, sure. But to actually plant myself in there, Toronto was a lot. So when eventually uh, my husband and I wanted to move back east, um, it was it was time. It was good, and came back east, and uh, you know came to Halifax and been, was working in education um, the the entire time, doing lots of side projects, lots of um, community kind of involvement, that kind of thing. So. Yeah, um, it's it's not that. It, I guess maybe it's not that exciting of a story. Um, but it's- where are uh, you in New Brunswick? It's so
1: funny because I live in New Jersey. There's a New Brunswick in New Jersey. Yes, when, and I'm like, you're not from New Jersey, but the New Brunswick up there. Uh, how was your? Fa- Do you have siblings? How was your family and everyone growing up?
0: Only child. Um, um a pretty pretty standard. Um, family life in terms of like the the two parents. They they divorced when I was like a twelve. Um, And again, I grew up in the 70s and and 80s. And yeah, you didn't really know what was going on with yourself. So I, my parents actually uh, passed away uh, quite young. Um, So I never really got a chance to kind of talk to them about it as I was figuring myself out um so it was kind of one of those things where it was like I'm sure as other folks have said you know "Ah, we kind of knew something you know people love to say that um the parents probably they knew I was creative they knew that I couldn't keep you know myself on one task uh, for any length of time it had to be at least 10 um so they just kind of Supported that, and they were just very much like, okay, now you want to do this, and now you want to do this. They're like, okay, just finish school. Um, So it was kind of one of those things. And in university, uh, my dad passed away when I was in university. Um, I was a big theater guy. Uh, So I was involved in a lot of theater projects, um, acting, directing, writing, that whole thing. Um, So I did a lot of that. And it was one of those times where Uh, when my when my dad finally saw some of the productions he kind of started to get it it was one of those things that I think my kid is crazy um I don't know what he's doing I don't know what he wants to do with himself he's kind of all over the place I don't really get this world that he's in and then when he started to see the productions he it really started to click and he saw where it was kind of coming from and why my passions were so not aligned with his but that they were just as just as strong, I guess. Of so course. it was really nice to have that um, before he passed away. My mom always just was very much like, "Sure, um, let's go." She came. She came to everything, and she saw everything. And I liked a lot of alternative theater where it was kind of gritty, and you know, uh, it made her completely. She's like, "Oh, it's really good," but don't don't do those roles. Don't do those roles. Right. She's like. It, they just kind of like she it's hard i think when you're you know um when you see your kids morphing into something that you would never see them normally do um it's just uncomfortable for parents sometimes so um but you know they uh she was always just incredibly supportive um, that's great
1: yeah I, I mean parents create an idea of what they think you're gonna be but that usually isn't the case uh, and if it is the case and you, and you end up becoming the thing they thought you might be like the typical like uh heteronormative like marriage two kids two cars successful job if you become that then there's no usually no qualms but if you're actually being i'm not saying those people aren't being themselves but if you're gonna really be yourself and really take on the world and, and experience the world you're gonna end up doing a lot of different things all within the like the same realm like yours is like education and music Mine's and entertainment i've been i was a professional dancer since i was 16 i did all of that i've always had support um And then I've branched off, but it always comes back to uh, entertainment and uh, I'll never leave it. I'll not always be involved. I do a lot of that work still and um, yeah.
0: It was a very rural area, like a very small, um, um, heavily kind of uh, Catholic Protestant church driven kind of area. And I think that, um, you know, both of my parents kind of came from the country uh not a lot of experience with things and i just gravitate well i mean if we've gone on vacation they would literally drop me off at a record store and go do what you're doing and i would still be there pouring over and going through the racks and the cds and the, and the, the lps Love that. um while while they were there and they were like oh my god how much time do we have to spend in this store um till he finds what he wants and like but i think that you know forever i know eh? <laughs> right? And I was a big comic book geek and, and, and superhero nerd as well. So I was that kid. Um, what's your husband and, do? What's that? What's your hubby doing I love this? Computers. Uh, uh, he is um, a manager with Best Buy for Geek Squad. Um, oh, cool. I so love Geek Squad. I'm going there today, actually. Hinkers with everything. And so uh, he's my savior when I kind of like have my freak out and kind of go like, why isn't this working? He's like, oh. Here, let me look. Like you just click here and you're like, "Oh, okay. Yeah. It's like, have you plugged and unplugged it? Like, try that. Um, usually the case. And I'm very high energy and he's much more even keel, very kind of like, you know, very solid and me ground And then I, at times, get him out of his shell a little bit. So, we, he, we're good match, I think. that's You need that
1: balance. That's literally how my husband and I are as well. Um We're both in the industry the entertainment industry uh but he's also a paralegal and he's a drag queen so but we we're very busy with very busy with both uh so it's an interesting household um (laughs) but uh yeah so what uh what do you plan on doing now more with it like are you are do you plan on maybe bringing all some of these artists together at some point in your life or would you
0: like that i've done that Actually, oh, yeah. um, last year, last June, we had planned it for um, the last week in May. And um, when COVID hit, um, I immediately saw what was happening with artists and the panic that they were experiencing. So um, I worked with a, another artist out in Los Angeles that I had um, you know, made a connection with. And I organized a, a three-day music festival. Um, and it was supposed to be that last weekend in May. And then uh, the George Floyd incident happened, um, which just you know, took everyone and and we, we knew we couldn't do it. So we put it off for a week, week and a half, I think. Um, and then we brought it back as a, a fundraiser. And uh, so we did a three-day festival um, and I had about 40 some artists. There was a drag show in uh, the, a month that there was some panel discussions. Um, about representation in um, in the music industry, as well as, you know, what virtual prides could look like or should look like in the future. Going to continue doing more of that. Um, I think that artists have a lot to offer beyond their music. I think that they've had experiences um, within the industry and entertainment. I think that there's a seat at the table for everyone from right across all different parts of of the industry. uh, you know, ultimately, what I want to see, what I would love to see, is um, you know, a network of whether it's podcasters, bloggers, as with artists um, and people being able to connect and, and really connect and, and keep the virtual piece really going. I think that there's, um, you know, it's great if you can walk down the street and go to a bar, but I think about how many people can't do that. And I think about how many people um, fear for their safety if they were to attempt to do something and are very isolated. And I think that there's a way for us to be um, connected online and be a much more of a global network um, that supports um, one another, supports our artists, supports um, the fans. And I think that growing that, it's one thing about the music and making sure that that representation is there and keeping, keep pushing at that button, keep, you know, picking at that envelope a little bit um, and working with artists to do that. But I think the other side of it too is just making sure that um, music is so universal that we don't leave anyone behind, that we, you know, continue to kind of look at all the different areas that are you know, marginalized, that aren't um, being heard. And the folks, the people who are out there who need that as a as a piece of support and helping get it to them. So I think that there's a lot of different. like I said, I have probably far too many irons and far too many fires. Um, but you, you've got to you got to try. You got to go for it. And there's going to be some things that will work and some things that won't. But we'll eventually get one hundred percent you know, moving to a place, I think that will be um, a good support system and, and hopefully a good um, vehicle for representation um for, for artists as well as just like creatives in general.
1: Cool. I love all of it. I think it's fantastic. <laughs> there isn't much, there isn't out, there isn't much out there, you know, and uh, everyone thinks there is, but there isn't. There is not, not to, to fully represent who the person is. Especially the queer community, um, there just isn't enough, especially in America and, and Canada.
0: Like as we said, those stories, that education piece is still a big part of it. People need to understand yeah. why it's important and why it's important to all of these, you know, individuals and and these different, you know, subgroups. Um, and they've just never seen themselves, you know, fully represented, knowing that it wasn't because it wasn't a box tick. Mm. And I think that people don't understand that when you go through and you have, and I mean, if you talk to the black community um, and especially in film, you know, they'll, they'll show you where it's kind of like, yeah, you know, let's line up the slate of movies this year and how many of them How many, how many were led by a woman? How many are led by, um, you know, a person of color? How many were led by somebody from the the queer community, from the LGBT community? How many were actual trans actors? Those numbers are small. small. Um, And it's, it's not that there's, you know, an angry mob coming, but it's a group of individuals saying there's room for more. And, don't second guess the audience to think that they're not willing to watch or listen to those stories or listen to that music, because if you give them the opportunity, they will probably prove you wrong. Hopefully, okay. usually, nah, pro- no, yeah. they usually do.
1: And if they don't, then we'll just have to work on that part. But they'll prove you wrong, and yeah, it's it's a it's a good thing. So I asked two more things. One. Give me some words of wisdom from my queer youth listeners. What would be some words of wisdom from your mouth to them?
0: Uh, Words of wisdom. Um, Things are always very different than you believe in the moment. Um, Everything that you're you're feeling is normal. Um, None of it is your fault Um, and There are places for you um, outside of of the world directly around you that can help you see that picture a little bit clearer. Um, You know, it's, I, I think about youth and just how they can totally feel isolated and feel like, you know, it's already hard enough to be a teenager like that in itself with what's going on with you and your body and the world and what you're supposed to be and what's cool and what's not cool. It's already just a nasty piece of work that's been done to us, but to throw in all this other stuff that's at your emotions and and the fear that comes along with it. I think about that isolation and it's about helping that youth and realize that there's the isolation that you're feeling doesn't have to feel as isolating, I guess that there are ways and there's there's things that are out there that can help you. Um, but what you're feeling is normal and, and don't let anybody tell you any different. Truth. Wow, <laughs> where can they find you? They can find me online uh, at qreview.ca and on the socials, uh, um, Instagram, Facebook, and Twitter are at the Q Reviews. You, uh, YouTube is at QReviews. Um, it, it's so weird. Those All those things are taken up by different people and you have to kind of go with the handles that work. But I was able to get the main three um, platforms of social media. So they're all at the QReviews. Um, but the website itself is QReview.ca and I am pretty much online all the time. For your listeners, 14 youth, also realize sometimes it looks from the from the outside looking in, it looks like maybe a, an organization or business um, is unapproachable, and artists are unapproachable. But the queer artists are open to everyone. They're willing. They want to hear from from folks. Never fear about engaging. Um, and if you think that there's something that we're doing that we're missing out on, that we're you know we should be in, in touch with and ourselves um let us know let me know like there's just me in this thing it's, it's not like anybody else but it's just me um and I think that sometimes breaking down some of those barriers where people think that it's like well I could reach out but nobody's ever going to reach back to me it's like no in this world um people will reach back um because they're they're there to to help you and and they want they want it, they want the engagement